This is Tom Donnelly with Akata. Our podcast, Profiles in Digital Leadership, Fraud versus Friction, is a series of interviews with e-commerce, fintech, law enforcement, and global thought leaders. We will focus on fraud prevention and customer experience best practices that everyone should know about. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Akata podcast. I'm super excited for today's guests. They are legends in the e-commerce fraud and payment space. I'm sure if you were on camera right now, you'd see them smiling and modestly shaking their heads. I'm excited to welcome Julie Ferguson. Julie is the Austin-based CEO of the MRC. She's come full circle from over 20 years ago when she helped start the MRC to be actually leading the entity as her full-time professional gig these days. So welcome, Julie. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And she dressed up and she looks great too, even though we're not recording the video. And on the other hand, we have Tom Sullivan. Tom is currently with Starbucks leading global fraud efforts there. In the beginning of the MRC, Tom was with Expedia. And we're going to hear about his career in a bit. But Tom was the uh, board chair of the MRC. He inherited that mantle from Julie and was uh, leading the organization when I joined as the, the first employee. And interestingly, Tom, our first meeting was in a Starbucks. I'm not sure you remember that. I sure do. I was in, in Fremont, I think, wasn't it? While your wife's yeah. car was being repaired. Yes, indeed. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thanks, thanks for Good. having me on. Good. Thanks. Thanks for making time. So let's let's get right into this. The the core reason that we wanted to bring the two of you on is Kata is, uh, is involved with launching the MRC in Asia Pacific. Julie and I have been in, in constant communications about you know the excitement around this and just the opportunity to expand globally. So we thought it would be fun to to travel back to the roots of the MRC. And before we do that, it might make sense for our listeners to hear about your backgrounds. And since we started with Julie in the introductions, Tom, maybe you could give us a little bit of your background, how you grew out of the soil there in Butte, Montana, and rose to the professional heights that you've achieved. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I grew or was kicked out of the soil, but I did start my, my life in Butte, Montana. I actually came to Seattle because, you know, there, were, there weren't a lot of jobs in Montana, but I came to Seattle in the mid-80s, and I took a job for a little software company in Redmond, Washington called Microsoft that I had never heard of before. That was in 1986. I was at Microsoft for for 11 years. I did a variety of different things. And when I left in the late 90s, Microsoft hired me back as a consultant and didn't really say what to do. They just said, sort of go find stuff to fix. This was, um, it was the finance department, if I, if I didn't say that. And one of the things I truly stumbled across was all these notices from American Express that one of the divisions of Microsoft, Expedia, had this enormous fraud problem. And that literally is how I fell into, into the fraud space. I then sort of went off and, and was consulting at, at Expedia for, uh, for a year or something. And then I, be, I was hired and I, I spent uh, 12 or 13 years there running payments and, and fraud. I've gone off and done a couple of different things since then. I worked for a company based out of London. I worked for First Data for a couple of years and been at Starbucks now for three years, returning back to Seattle, which is a, a great place to be. 
That's great. Thank, thanks, Tom, for that journey. And, and Julie, how about your journey? I know that you've worked at a few different types of companies in the fraud prevention, even the um, identity theft space. Fill us in. Yeah, so I started my career um, as a kid playing on computers and hacking and then got my first real job at IBM um, doing IT and I decided to leave and start my own company and built a payment platform and my vision was to enable people to pay online and we launched our first merchant and the very first transaction, the very next transaction was a fraudulent transaction. And so while I didn't have an intention of learning about fraud, I very quickly did for our customers and grew that first company. It was a, it was a payment platform, Clear Commerce, and then sold that and went over to work in the identity theft space for a couple of years trying to fix that problem and then came back to the e-commerce space. Um, that's really where my heart is. And I've had the opportunity to build multiple products throughout the years to really tackle fraud prevention and consumer experience. And all along that journey, working on, uh, on the MRC throughout the years as well. That's true. And I, Julie, I think it's okay to plug uh, the other organizations you've supported in a board capacity, uh, the Identity Theft Resource Center, correct? Yeah, so that's a nonprofit that helps victims of identity theft at no cost, and they really are the expert in the U.S. for identity theft. So if you call into the FTC to get help and they can't help you out, they'll actually refer you to the Identity Theft Resource Center. And on that site as well, there's lots of information about what to happen when you get your data breach notifications and, and how to really restore your identity when it happens. And there's multiple kinds of identity. There's criminal identity theft, there's medical identity theft. So way beyond what we just think about in the fraud and in the e-commerce industry. Thanks, Julie. And for those of you outside the U.S., the FTC is the Federal Trade Commission. So she's done a lot of work in that realm for identity theft. Julie, let's go back. I actually had to check the incorporation documents at one point I know there was organizational activity before this, but the, the documentation with the Internal Revenue Service of the United States says that the MRC was formed on October 10th, 2000, right? And I know you were active before that, but what was the state of the world in the year 2000 related to e-commerce fraud? And what were you thinking? What were you thinking <laughs> when you started the MRC? So the way the MRC came to be is we had a lot of customers at the company I had started who had very similar problems, but they were competition. And in general, competitors don't like to talk to each other. Um, they don't want to share those secrets. But we hosted a lunch and had a couple of big e-commerce retailers get together and, and share what they were seeing and what was going on. And we realized the fraudsters were incredibly organized. They were able to share information instantly. They had platforms set up. And we really discovered, hey, it's time to get as organized as the criminals so that we have a shot to fight against fraud because fraud was growing out of control. Fraud rates were at least one and a half percent of e-commerce for most merchants of their sales volume. Big companies that were just starting to go out online would actually end up having to disclose in their, their quarterly public filings because the losses were so significant. And so there really weren't fraud platforms yet. It was kind of a little bit the wild, wild west. So the MRC really played a huge role in bringing together all of the merchants to talk about the problems and helping those solution providers figure out what the problems were and build those fraud platforms so that we could actually tackle fraud. Excellent. And Tom, who recruited you in or how did you find out about the, the Merchant Risk Council? 
Oh boy, that was a long time ago. I don't really remember. There were a couple of different informal organizations that were that were were happening at the time. There was what was called the, the I think the Fraud Roundtable, which was this very informal group of merchants, which Julie was also involved in that. There was another organization that was American Express was trying to get you know merchants together to talk. And then there was even a, a third. I somehow found my way in all of those. At some point, it became evident, we need to bring this all together. We need to get, you've got different people in different organizations. We need to bring this together so that so that we're bringing as much of, of the, you know, the brain trust into one room as we can to, to help each other figure this thing out. It, it was interesting listening to Julie talk about, about the early days. I mean, and I really, I truly give so much credit to Julie for the MRC, for really having the vision of seeing what it could be. I think for those of us that were merchants at the time, we were just trying to survive, right? We, you know, like I, I, I described in my opening, I went into Expedia and we were, we were having this issue. And the reality is at the time, merchants that had been either exclusively brick and mortar that were moving online or entrepreneurs who were starting these e-commerce companies just had no understanding of the risk associated with accepting, you know, of card not present transactions. And, and we just heard that throughout, like everyone that came to the MRC in the early days, it was sort of this, like, you know, we, we started selling stuff online. We had no idea we were going to start getting chargebacks. And so be, sort of being on the merchant side, it was really just a matter of, of survival and not having resources to go to. You'd go to your choir and, and they, you know, everybody back then in the sort of the financial ecosystem, they were all thinking about this space as moto, you know, mail order, telephone order. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's, it's not the same, right? And so, so as a merchant coming into it, it was about survival. It was about trying to find anybody you could to help. And these different organizations were a great place to get you had a bunch of smart people that didn't know any more than you did, but together we were going to figure it out. Tom, that's, that's great. And I just, in our prep, I hadn't thought of this, but there's a great video Rhonda Palou, who was one of the founding members of, of MRC, she was working at Costco at the time. Before she moved online, she was literally tackling shoplifters in the parking lot. I mean, that was the transition. The, those consumers that would never, apparently that in particular, didn't have a problem stealing things. But most of us would never think about walking out of a store with a laptop or a TV. But hey, if Costco will deliver me one for free and I can claim non-receipt, no problem, right? It was a whole new world at that time. And Julie, so let's let's move over. So thinking about the players at the time, you had said one of the reasons that you created the MRC was because there really was a dearth of thought leadership or people that you could turn to. How did that take shape? So you, you gathered folks like Tom around to, to build the MRC. Um, you had to do a lot of personal work. This was a nights and weekends commitment for you at the time, correct? Oh, absolutely. I, I had a full-time day job, but I, I have always been very passionate about helping people and really trying to make the world a better place. And in this case, the fraudsters were winning and they were winning really quickly and scaling. And if we didn't do something, e-commerce wasn't going to make it. And so I was very driven just to pull merchants together and, and get people talking and, and really finding those common themes and once we found those common themes, the magic and the conversation would just happen. 
It's true. We, we've seen it happen a lot, haven't we, Tom? Is there a, a particular time where you had a, a light bulb go on when you were able to talk with other merchants about an issue that you were suffering from at the moment? Uh, well, I'll tell you, in, in those early days, there were so many of those. It was it was just happening all the time. You were meeting people that are still friends today, like like really good friends. And again, it was you're coming together like they don't know any more than you do. But together, let's go figure it out and let's figure out who we can go talk to. And and people like 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 Julie were a tremendous resource for the merchant community at the time. Right. I can't sit here and say there was a single moment, but there were a number of moments. And and I, something that Julie said, I think, is was so important about some of those moments, which is. You know, the, the MRC gave an opportunity for companies that were competitors to come together and talk. You know, they, sort of our thing was like, there's no there's no competition when it comes to fraud. And I think those of us early on really embraced that and tried to set the example for other companies that were coming in. And so I, and I, I just remember the first time that Orbitz came to a meeting, you know, they were a. Uh, or which is now owned by Expedia, but at the time they were they were bigger than Expedia. They were they were one of our biggest competitors. And I remember Mike Long coming into the room, and he and I became great great friends. And it was really that the idea that this is what I've learned. You're new to this to the MRC. Let me sit down and tell you what I what I figured out. And it didn't matter that we were we were competitors. And those are the moments that I remember the most watching. You know, Apple and 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 its competitors have conversations, and I mean that was that was like the great thing about the early days that still I think still happens today. Yeah, one of in the early days, I think one of my absolute favorite aha moments that was fun to watch is there was all kinds of shipping fraud. So when when a merchant shipped a box, it was always getting intercepted and rerouted and stolen, and so. As an organization, we did a big survey on shipping fraud and figured it out. And it was really interesting because the number one battle for most fraud departments is working with marketing. And the recommendation out of that group, out of, out of all the research we did was stop putting your logo on the outside of the box. And so as soon as some of the com big computer manufacturers stopped putting their logo out, the fraud volume actually decreased greatly with that shipping fraud. So it was simple moments like that where just it, it was logical, but it really took us getting together and studying it to figure it out. And that it just was fun to watch overnight after that tidbit came out, fraud decreased greatly on that particular scheme. Yeah, that's an excellent example, Julie. And I, and I remember specifically working with merchants and UPS, FedEx, DHL, to educate the carriers around the issues of allowing people to, to go in and change the, the, the shipping address, right? So merchants learning how to use their vendors to stop getting packages stolen, right? So let's, let's shift to today, right? So Julie, you're back in the, the role as the CEO. I mean, come on, Tom, we always thought of her as the CEO back in the day anyway. So now it's just formalized. You're back in this role, Julie. So chargebacks, shipping fraud, what is new? What are the issues that merchants are tackling today? Some of the biggest issues today are really around creating the best possible customer experience and ensuring that every good transaction gets approved. So in the early days, it was really about identifying and stopping the fraud, and that's pretty much under control. So now the majority of our conversations are, how do we get more revenue? How do we increase that acceptance rate? Because a lot of good transactions still get declined due to suspicion of fraud. And so that's, that's a big problem merchants are working around. The other one that merchants are still really scratching their heads trying to fix is friendly fraud. 
It's also known as first party misuse fraud. So those are kind of the, the hot topics of today. Okay. And Tom, what, what would you add either from your current role or from what you're observing in the MRC community? Obviously, your, your business is very global. I get lots of questions around global expansion. Is the global piece a big issue for you from what you're seeing, or would you choose something else? Well, global is always a big issue. There's just so much variability to how things are done in every market. And I experienced this in, in my career at Expedia pretty significantly as well. If you sort of go back to the very early days, there was a, a lot of resistance to, to putting fraud mitigation efforts in front of customers because it was going to create friction and we were going to we were going to lose customers and, and, and especially in the early days it was all about getting customers right and and so over the first few years you know i think i think we got to a point where everybody in the business sort of understood okay we're not going to throw a, a, a bunch of friction in front of our customers but it's a necessary evil right we have to do this to 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 manage fraud and i thought for a, a period of time that was just for many many years that was sort of just understood and accepted. Um, it feels like there's more of a push now for removing more friction, again, sort of like there was in the earlier days. And so it's really around like, how can we remove things that help from a fraud mitigation perspective that help with the identity of the customer? How can we can we ease those things? How can we speed up the transaction? Um, it's just in, in a very different, different way than in the early days, but there's this big push. And I would say that's the biggest challenge for us as you mm -hmm. see data breaches and ATO is a huge, huge issue, you know, that would, would have us thinking about, about sort of doing more with regard to identity. I think businesses are being asked to do less. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a great challenge. There's a ton of cool technology out there that, that helps with that. Um, but I would say to me, that's, that's one of the bigger things that I hear that merchants are thinking about. Excellent. There's a lot of good work going on. That's true. Now let's, let's look to the future. And Julie, we'll start with you and not to put you on the spot because this is your current employer, but what do you see for the future of the MRC? What do you hope for with this organization? So there's really a couple things we're working hard on. So the MRC traditionally has been membership benefits and education and really focused around that. And in the last six months, we've really expanded our focus on advocacy, so speaking up for the merchants and helping negotiate with the industry on making sure that people understand the merchant's perspective. We've been working with regulators in Europe around SCA implementations and, and getting deadline enforcement deadlines shifted. So it's really, I think that's a really important component as the e-commerce industry continues to grow. The second thing that we're really working on is formalizing education. A lot of our members tell me I need to hire more people, but I don't know how they've been trained because there's really no formal payment professional college degree you can go get or fraud best practices degree you can go get. And so we've recently launched our e-learning platform and we'll be working on a certification program and, and really expanding and formalizing that so that people can get formally trained. So those are really some of the big things we've got on the radar for the next couple of years. Okay, well done. And, and Tom, how about you? You've had such great experiences with the MRC. Continue to contribute as a board emeritus role in your board emeritus role. What, what do you hope for with the, with the MRC and its membership? Listening to Julie talk, those are a couple of really, really meaty big issues that would have a 
really positive impact on the merchant community. So I'm a big supporter of, of the direction that Julie's taking the organization. Something that we've talked about a lot, and, and it's it's great to see the MRC moving into the Asia Pacific you know, region. We function in such a global community now that you know we need to be much more inclusive of of merchants that are outside of of the US, you know, Canada, Europe. To me, I think it's just more about just trying to be more inclusive and trying to bring in some of these some of these great experts from from these other parts of the world that can really sort of help, you know, with cross education for for other merchants that are expanding into those regions. That's that has always been a challenge for the MRC to be able to do that, but a goal at the same time. So it's great to see that that's moving as well. And and from my part, I have often said this to my wife when she's wondering why I've worked long hours or been so committed to the payments and fraud industry. I hope that the MRC continues to connect people. As both of you described in the early days, there are now people moving into a role of fraud. They have no one in the company to turn to and they don't have any experience. MRC is a great place to connect with other leaders who have that open mentality about sharing and supporting each other. So thank you both for joining today. I know you both have busy lives. We're glad to capture this little bit of history and to share the story of the MRC. Both of you have a great day. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you're a global leader interested in speaking with us on a future episode, please email podcast at akata.com. That's it for today. Until next time, take care. Take care.